Gator Nation. Welcome back to the In All Kinds of Weather forecast. I am your host, Neil Shulman. You can follow me on Twitter at All Kinds Weather, on Instagram at All Kinds Weather blog, and on Facebook and YouTube under the name In All Kinds of Weather. We've got Dustin Smith back with us today. You can follow him on Twitter at IAKOW Dustin. Co-host Chris Yanes also with us today as well. Both of them are in their cars, matter of fact. Um, so hopefully we don't have any real audio or connectivity issues, but you can follow Chris on Twitter at Mr. Chris Bits. We've got a win to talk about today. The Gators get back in the W column after dispatching Eastern Washington with, I would say, a good amount of ease. They did trail 3-0, of course, for a little bit, but not for very long. Gators would go on to win 52-17. A lot to like in the process. We'll talk about all of that momentarily. First and foremost, though, got a shout out our sponsors slash partners. We are proudly partnered with the Gator Good Foundation, the nonprofit organization that sends underprivileged Gator fans to the swamp. It is this week that we are doing that. Matter of fact, it is this upcoming game against Missouri that we are bringing two very deserving young Gator fans to their first ever Florida Gator football game together. The Gator Good Foundation will pay for flights, rental cars, hotels, game tickets, gear, food, swag, everything that's needed to make sure that they have the swamp experience of a lifetime. Obviously, as the 2022 campaign is just a few days away, we have closed our applications. That is something that I've been saying uh, for the past couple of months now. But if you believe that you or someone you know is worthy of the honor for the 2023 campaign, please email us at GatorGoodFoundation at gmail.com. If you would like to donate to our campaign, please go to our website, GatorGoodFoundation.com and click on the donate button. Second, we are proudly sponsored by Stingray Branding. These folks will put a sting in your marketing and deliver results that will wow your clients. Whether it is web design, logo design, branding, graphic design, social media management, search engine optimization, marketing strategy, or mobile app design, Stingray Branding has you covered. If you or someone you know needs professional help in any of the above, here are three great reasons why you should choose Stingray Branding. Number one, it is a veteran-owned business. Can't think of a better way to properly thank those who serve our country than by giving the business. Number two, it is run by a UF alum and big-time Gator fan. Number three, I could personally vouch for their work because they did the new In All Kinds of Weather branding. They did our new logo. They did our new website. They've done tons of other Gator-related projects in the last couple of years or so. They did the Gator Good Foundation website. They did the new Gator Collective website and the new Gator Collective logo. They do the marketing for the Charleston Gator Club and, and even more Gator-related work is coming on the horizon from them. So they do great work and they're owned by a UF veteran who happens to be a big-time Gator fan and they have done a lot of Gator-related projects. So if you're listening to this podcast and you need help in any of the aforementioned areas, rest assured they will more than take care of you. Last thing before we get on to the football part of the episode, our hearts go out to those who are affected by the devastation left by Hurricane Ian. I understand it must have been absolutely just devastating from the pictures and, and the videos that I've seen. Best wishes and you know, hearts and, and thoughts and prayers go out to all of y'all who are affected. Hopefully, for those of y'all who were in that area who are listening to this podcast, we can provide y'all with a bit of an escape over the next 
hour or so that we spend talking about the Gators' big win over Eastern Washington. Speaking of Eastern Washington, Chris, Dustin, y'all both joining me tonight. Gators did get a win. They did get a big win, at least on the scoreboard. There were a lot of things to like. There were a few things to maybe work on between now and the next weekend. Guys, what were your takeaways from this game? Well, uh, first off, I want to say I was really excited to see, I believe we had 81 different players play in this game. It was fantastic to get so many young players, some much-needed reps and experience. Neil, that is something I know you and I talked about in the preview pod to the Eastern Washington game. So for that, mission accomplished. It was great to see that. It was great to see Anthony Richardson, for the most part, outside of two throws, have a very, very good day on the stat sheet, looked very comfortable in the pocket, throwing the football down the field, converting some big, explosive plays. The offense was humming. Uh, you know, so overall, and then obviously the score being a, a huge win finally. I think we've been through the gambit now, four straight games of some really close football games, some nail biters, and it was kind of nice to just head to the ballpark on Sunday and get a nice, easy win for a change this season. So uh, I have a feeling that that's going to be really hard to come by maybe this year. So it was good to at least enjoy it for one afternoon in the swamp and Overall, just really happy that we got the win and that we got some really much-needed experience. And the guys that were projected to start um, that we were clamoring for did start and got and played pretty well. Uh, played pretty well. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later here. But just overall, really uh, ecstatic with the, with the victory. Dustin, what did you think? My big takeaway for the game was execution. Um, on offense, I really feel like for the most part, the team executed, and I love the way that our running backs played. Big shout out to Lorenzo Lingard, five carries for 45 yards, including a touchdown, but he also caught a pass, and it wasn't just a little little, little scatting out. He uh, he got 15 yards in that catch, um, so big shout out to Lingard. I know, of course, we had him on the pod, um, and when I say execution on the defensive side, I thought Florida really failed to execute in a lot of ways. We played an opponent that was com- that was clearly overmatched, and we failed to hold them under 400 yards. So, I really want to see us execute better um, down the stretch. I'm honestly very concerned about our defense, but man, if we can execute on both sides of the ball, I think we have a good shot at at uh, winning most of the games down the stretch. But unfortunately, just can't make that call because of the inconsistency. So I will throw you a little bit of a bone to the people who are uh, a little bit more sunshine and rainbows than, than I tend to be. And Dustin, you usually play that role. So I'll reverse field a little bit here. Okay. The defense, the defense was bad. It, it was downright bad as in F grade failure, horrible for the first two drives after that. Yeah. There, there was one more drive towards the end of the first half where they, they kind of drove down inside our 25. We did hold them on downs there. But aside from that, for the rest of the first half and into the second half, the defense did do its job. And a lot of that was with the starters in the game. Yes, the defense did just completely implode when our backups came in towards the very end of the game and they scored two straight touchdown drives. But there was a stretch after their second drive from that point on until when Napier cleared the bench that the defense – for the most part, not completely, but for the most part, 
did do its job. That said, the first two drives were highly, highly concerning. I agree with you on that. Yeah, I would I would just kind of echo that a little bit with Neil said too. I, I I think like if we had kept the starters in the entire game, I think that we'd probably keep that three piece up on the board. Like I don't think they get seventeen. I mean, we we were going three four deep, uh, even some walk ons toward the end of that game. So, you know, I'm not too discouraged about necessarily that. But to that point, I do think if you go back and look at the tape, there are still some of the same issues remaining, and they weren't highlighted by the by the fact that we were playing an inferior opponent. And when we get into SEC play in the next couple of weeks here and the real heart of the schedule, that's going to define this season and what will be the first year of the Blaine Napier era. We're going to have to see some more uh, disciplined play. It's the same things over and over again. It's guys not lining up in the right position. It's guys not understanding their assignments, you know, And some of that might, I think, was a little bit more of the inexperience because we saw so many young guys play uh, last last uh, this past Sunday. But I think overall, you know, there are still some of those lingering problems. And and I think that we just I don't want to say just have to accept it is what it is, but it kind of is what it is with this defense at this point until we have a major overhaul in the personnel and with a couple, one or two recruitment classes, maybe some portal players, I don't think we're going to see the defense at the University of Florida get back to the elite level that we remember it in the mid-2010s. I just don't. I, I just don't think we have the same caliber of athlete all over the field. We don't go deep enough on the defense either. We're, you know, it, it's promising with some of the guys on the team, especially Kamari Wilson as one, uh, you know, and, and Chris McClellan, uh, guys like Devin Moore. Even Miguel Mitchell. Miguel Mitchell was flying to the ball, too. I was really impressed with the way he played. But we have got to overhaul the defense before I think we see some major changes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what we said after Kentucky. This is going to take time. That's That was the motto. This is going to take time. And it is. Yeah, Neil, and I just want to echo what Chris just said. Um, depth is such an important part of, of the issues that we see on this team and in uh, I believe that the numbers tell the story. I mean, you look at the last two uh, defensive drives, um, both were touchdowns, and that, that those are Florida's backups out there on the field giving up touchdowns to an FCS team. So I know you might say, okay, yeah, the, the defense played pretty good after those first two drives, but I want to look at the entire body of work, and we did not execute down the stretch, and those are players, even though they're backups, those are players that should match up uh, favorably against an FCS team. But clearly they, they were out of position and they gave up some big plays. Yeah, I mean, you're going uh, – I, I like what you're doing in, in that, you know, you're, you're treating the backups, including a lot of walk-ons, like Chris mentioned, guys who are probably not going to see the field again unless we – you know, catch lightning in a bottle and somehow go up 35 on Missouri or South Carolina. We just play perfectly or something. They're probably not going to see the field again in Florida. Some of the guys won't. Some will. Some will see the field a great deal in the future, but some won't. And you're treating everyone with the same. You're, you, you are speaking of them in the same fashion that you speak about the team's 
of a Florida past where the goal is to win national titles or at least compete for them and win SEC titles or at least compete for them, at least be in the East race. And so when you're, you're, you're treating everyone from walk-ons to the starters the same way. I, and I like that. I like that. It, it's, you're, they're, these players, if they listen to this pod, will get to hear what it's like to be talked about as a member of the Florida Gators. And I think that like it, it, this was just a building block game. Maybe to sum up this, this segment, it was a building block game. We needed to see young guys play. We needed to see guys get experience on reps to build for the future. And, and also, listen, we got a bounce back win. It is always good to get a big victory over, doesn't matter who the opponent is, after you take an L. So it felt really good to get a nice big bounce back win because after the Kentucky game, we didn't really feel like that after, you know, barely getting by USF. So being able to come back this past Sunday and get a pretty big win felt really good. Felt really good. So, you know, now we're, we're back in SEC play for the remainder of the season or until Florida State, that is. Uh, we've got we've to clo- we've got to close this season strong. I mean, the next four to five games are really pivotal, pivotal and kind of knowing where we're going to end up by the end of the year. Yeah, and that's, that's probably a, a good segue to the next point, too, is that the SEC race and the national championship host for Florida are, are gone. We can just, you know, keep it respectful, but keep it real. Those are out the window. They're gone. They're dead. They're finished. They're, they're long. They're, you know, they're history. But Florida can still make and win a New Year's Six Bowl. Florida can still reach double-digit wins. That's, you know, Florida can still finish ranked in the top 10. Those are pretty good goals for what we all agreed was going to be a rebuilding year for Billy Napier's first year for the year after we all agreed that Dan Mullen left this roster decimated with just a complete lack of talent. That would be a pretty good season. That would be a very nice way to remember the season. I mean, hell we still remember Dan Mullen's first season, 2018 as a pretty great season, 10 and three new year, six bowl, new year, six bowl win finished ranked six and seven in the two major polls. We remember that as a successful season, we can still do that. Even if we lose to Georgia, believe it or not, we win every other game. We can still remember the season in a positive fashion. And that's something that I hope that Napier is preaching to his team. Don't worry about the SEC race. Don't worry about the national title race. You can't worry about what you can't control. And we don't control those things anymore. What you can remember is having the season remembered in a positive fashion. And Dustin, I know one thing you want to talk about, and I think is a big piece to what's going to decide whether or not that happens is the QB position. We'll start with QB one. Then we'll talk a little bit about Jalen Kitten and what we saw from him, but Dustin as the former quarterback yourself, what did you think of Anthony Richardson? How did he look? What did you like? What did you not like? Uh, take, take us through the film of what you saw from him. Yeah. I mean, I thought Anthony Richardson played phenomenal. I mean, hit that the first throw of the game was as perfect as I've ever seen Anthony throw a ball in a game. Um, product placement is is what I've heard it said before. Um, <laughs> you can fill in the blank. He uh, threw a missile. <laughs> oh man, what a what a throw to Justin Shorter! Great catch. Um, he was eight for ten and two hundred and forty yards. That if I'm doing my math correctly, that's uh, twenty four yards uh, per throw. Um, he just had one bad throw. He took the playoff and he made a decision, uh, pre-snap that he was going to throw to a certain spot 
and he threw it there, and he paid the price for it. Um, kind of reminds me uh, back in the day when I used to play NCAA 14, and I used to just, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do uh, three verticals, and I'm gonna throw it to, I'm gonna throw it to Y regardless. And you know, they happen to be running cover two, and I throw a pick. Well, that's what Anthony Richardson did: threw it to Y and threw an interception. So he'll learn from that. Can't take a playoff. I don't care who you're playing. Um, but he played great. Uh, had one run for 45 yards. Could have taken it to the house, but clearly toward the end of the play, he, he decided to get out of bounds. That was a clear coaching decision. Get out of bounds. Don't get hurt. Don't get injured. And Neil, I, something I want to talk about real quick. You, uh, <laughs> your tweet um, said it all. <laughs> you said something a lot. I don't want to misquote you, but, but when Anthony Richardson had gotten hurt, we all felt what you had explicated on Twitter. Do you want to, do you want to recount what you wrote? Cause it, I feel, I really felt for you in that moment. <laughs> so to those listening now who did not follow along my live tweeting, I have to preface this by saying I was at the New York giants game. My family's had giants tickets for over 20 years now, I'm, a, I'm about say, say my Florida fandom is, is a 10 out of 10. I'm probably about in 8.5 or nine out of 10 on that same scale for the giants. So not quite the level of Florida, but still pretty big time giants fan. So I hadn't gone to a game with my dad at giant stadium for about three years. They moved the Florida game with Eastern Washington to Sunday. And I said, ah, screw it. The game's not on TV anyway. So it's not, it's not, it's not like I can record it. I can't, you know, watch it on my TV at any point, it's going to be watched on a phone or a tablet or a computer at best. So I may as well just bring the phone to the stadium and watch it in the stadium as I watch the Giants, who, by the way, did beat the Bears. Let's go together. Blue, they are three and one Let for the first time. And I can't even remember. But anyway, I was going through security at that point. I saw Richardson throw a ball. The, the quality on my phone was probably like 44 pixels like not not 244 like 44 it, it was just absolutely atrocious quality and i had to put the phone down because i was going through security you can't bring that with you through the metal detector i get on the other side and i see that he's down and i said something out loud that is not going to be repeated on the podcast and in dismay my reaction then because the phone froze and it would not show the rest of the play was to tweet out I hate everything or, or nightmare scenario. Anthony Richardson is hurt. I hate everything, which it clearly was. And that was all that I knew in that moment. Cause I saw him down. I saw him, you know, holding his leg. I thought this is not good. He turned out that he was okay. He would return to the game. But in that moment with the, the quality on my phone being just absolutely awful, I I mean, really, it, it looked like it was being shot through the eye of a pencil. Like, that's how bad it was. I just saw a couple of pixels on the phone. I just was able to tell he was down on the ground. So I tweeted out, oh, no, or nightmare scenario, Anthony Richardson is hurt. I hate everything. Turned out he was fine. He'd get back in the game. All would be well. But that was a frightening moment, to say the least. Yeah, I was in the stadium for the game, and – you know, it wasn't obviously a very ruckus crowd. It wasn't a very big crowd, solid crowd for a Sunday game, especially a rescheduled one. But you could tell there was like, you could hear a pin drop in the stadium when he went down and you're just kind of like, all right, what next? Uh, and I felt confident that he was going to be okay because he did get off on his own power. 
And he, I, I saw immediately, even within like two or three plays, I was kind of, I like to watch the sideline, what's going on sometimes even more so than the game. And in this instance, I was, and I could tell he was already warming up within a couple of plays. So I knew he was going to be fine. And, and it, you know, my heart rate kind of went down. And I think I immediately tweeted out Anthony Richardson warming up on the sideline that, you know, for anybody that was like, you know, following the game through Twitter, or, you know, they were able to, to maybe have their heart rate go down a little bit, but Hey, you mean anybody I who I freaked out with my tweet? Yes. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I uh, Neil's the one that gets everybody excited. I'm the one that calms everybody down. That's why it's why you know why they he has uh, myself and Dustin. But That's why, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would say I'd be remiss though, and I'm sure maybe Dustin, maybe you want to talk about this. I think we have a solid QB too. I really love what I saw from Jalen Kitna in this game. I mean, obviously, we can talk about the the missile he threw to. Caleb Douglas, shout out to the freshman. I would love to see a little bit more of him. I think he definitely earned some more reps in this game. But I think Jalen Kidna managed the game, not just managed, but played very well. Made some great reads. He's got a pretty good arm. I didn't really know what his arm strength was until this game. I think it's pretty solid. And I mean, I don't like, you know, I don't want to just like look at him just because he's wearing the number 11 and and he played his high school ball in Texas, but Definitely got some Kyle Trask vibes when I was watching him out there. I don't know. What do you think, uh, Dustin? Yeah, Chris, Neil, oh, man. could I, I couldn't have said it better. Now, let, now, let me just say this. So the one silver lining behind Anthony Richardson, once we knew that he would be okay, once he was able to get off the field on his own power, um, Kitna went in, and he played great. Um, there, there was really no drop-off. He was two for two. Made some great throws. Um, I loved uh, that he had that confidence booster, if I'm not mistaken. I forgot who he threw it to, but he but there was a guy, uh, probably an out route, got the ball to him perfectly, um, made the first down, big-time confidence booster. Anthony Richardson came back in. Uh, we scored a touchdown on the drive, if I'm not mistaken. But then when Anthony Richardson had called it a day and it was Kittness time to shine, he shined. That 62-yard bomb to Caleb Douglas was a thing of beauty. Flashes of Trask, and I know I know you already said it, uh, Chris, but what a what a phenomenal um, performance by Kitna. Um, I really want to see more of him. I want to see him. I don't necessarily want to go to the the broken two quarterback system that Mullen tried um, with Embry Jones and Trask a couple uh, years ago. But I would love to see Kitna come in against Missouri. I would love to see Kitna come in against LSU because it's game reps like that that are going to make him all the more better when he has a chance down the line to potentially be the starting quarterback for the University of Florida. Yeah, Gator Nation, I just said that. Jalen Kitna is a potential starter down the line for the University of Florida. He can read the field. I mean, I mean, I don't have time to go through each and every throw. But but you watch the film. You you rewatch the game. You look at him. He's he's st- he's not staring down safeties. He's going through his reads and he's making the throw in the proper timing. There was one throw that I thought he could have made with better timing, um, and it, and it cost us the uh, the first down. But other than that, I thought he I thought he had an excellent game, and and the stats speak for itself, um, including of course, like I said before, that that touchdown that he threw to Caleb Douglas, a thing of beauty. 
So the first two passes you're talking about when he came in for Richardson, I, I was able to see this part of the game clearly. Number one was to Ricky Pearsall for, I think, about 20 yards or so. And then exactly. the second one he hit was uh, to Naquan Wright that got them inside the five. But to to your point, I think we all kind of knew he was going to have the intelligence part of being a quarterback, given who his dad is, former NFL quarterback John Kitna, at least in practice like at least in the film room when he's breaking down tape with his coaches, but it's a whole other thing to be able to go do that on the field in live action granted against Eastern Washington, who we cannot say enough is not the type of opponent that you can really make definitive conclusions against, but we saw him go on the field and do it. It, it, you know, and not in a practice, not in a scrimmage, no, in, in a real game against the team that was coming to try to hit him, to try to put shots on him, a team that was you know, probably coming in with a big chip on its shoulder with a real bit of motivation to come in and, and beat them. And he got the job done. You know, I, I think maybe the only time we'll see him maybe again this year is if it's in probably when the game is already won, if, if you are blowing out a team. Or if it's, uh, I don't know, God forbid, an injury, right? But I feel comfortable with him in the game. And, you know, going into this game, I did, there wasn't a, a guy behind Anthony Richardson that I honestly could say that was the case. So I'm really relieved that we have at least one solid backup, maybe two, because we haven't really seen Jack Miller yet either. But I, I, I would agree that he has a chance to start at the University of Florida sometime in the near future. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's, you know, next year, you know, cause I think the jury's still out on whether or not Anthony Richardson is, is going to come back for another year. But I do believe that he has an opportunity to, to, to make a name for himself sometime in the, in the near future at the university of Florida, if his time comes. For sure. I mean, definitely, definitely did not do anything to, to discourage that line of thought. Against Eastern Washington, guys, um, it is a quicker pod today because we have another pod coming out very shortly after to break down Missouri. So before we get to the final word, though, a couple of quick shout outs that we would be remiss to not give. Number one, Lorenzo Lingard getting that touchdown run, getting himself into the record books at the University of Florida as having scored a touchdown in a real live game. Good for you. D1 Black finally getting in there. Pretty awesome play he made on special teams against Tennessee week before, but to be able to get in and, and play some consistent reps, getting in there and blowing up a play for a loss, finishing with three tackles on the day, definitely a good showing by him. I hope he can do what he has to do to get on the field more consistently. Last but not least, shout out to Richard Garage for what I think is going to stand for the rest of time as the single most hysterical dance slash celebration I've ever seen in my life. That was just absolutely masterful. And an eternal GIF usage will be derived from that. And just just, just a great way to, to punctuate the, the mood after that game, given the struggles Florida's had the first month of the year or so. Uh, yeah, Dale, I think we finally have a, have a GIF that is better than the Kyle Pitts riding the moped with the dinosaur hat <laughs> we've finally got a better one than that yeah that this one that this one definitely is better than that. that that's a that's a solid one but this one is heads and shoulders above that one so 
All right. With that said, time to put a bow on this show, guys. Final word. You know, y'all know the drill. Talk about our play of the game, players of the game, and we'll grade offense, defense, special teams, and coaches. We'll go quicker this time because there's not a ton to take from it. But guys, what would you say the play of the game was? So my play of the game, I'll steal it. I'll say the play action fake, uh, deep ball to shorter, you know, Eastern Washington had just driven down the field, kicked the field goal, taken a, a little lead. And Billy Napier wasted no time to show an inferior opponent who was the better team. And I love it. And also it was a play that a lot has been made about Andy Richardson and the play action and how he turned his back to the field. And that was a play where he did that and he delivered a strike. So improvement there. There were certainly times still where I think he struggles with that. He struggled throughout, throughout the game in that, in that situation, but it's becoming less and less uh, prevalent moving forward. And that play highlighted it. That play put an exclamation point, and we knew from there on this game was not going to be close. Yeah, for, for my play of the game, I'm going to have to go with the 76-yard touchdown jet sweep by Ricky Pearsall. That was a phenomenal play, and what I love most about it is so far this season, we've seen Florida try the jet sweep and fail, but Ricky Pearsall finally got the ball on it and finally made it go. He took it all the way to the house, and I want to see more of that this season. If nothing else, that'll open up the the down-the-field passing, man. What a, what, a, what a great play it'd be against uh, LSU to fake the jet and, and, and throw it down the field. So I'm going to go very, very, very quickly, two different plays. Number one, the play that put the game away, Naquan Wright's four-yard touchdown run where he just lowers the shoulder and plows his way into the end zone. That made it 21-3, and it removed any semblance of a doubt as to who was going to win the game. The most memorable play of the game, though, for me, is going to be the bomb from Jalen Kitna to Caleb Douglas perfectly thrown ball and then the awareness to keep his body upright and you know off the ground long enough to get into the end zone to get the touchdown as opposed to just going down at the one we saw the georgia missouri game where if you go down at the one on a huge play does not guarantee you're gonna score a touchdown you don't know what happens next so nice awareness by delegates to get the ball over the goal line into the end zone for that so that's going to be my most memorable play of the game all right player of the game who have you guys got so real quick, Neil, something I want to do this week because of our opponent, I want to do a player of the game and then a job taker of the game. That's something that Florida has been putting out on IG and Twitter. It's a, it's a guy who usually doesn't get on the field too much underclassmen or walk on since these guys played, I want to shout out too. So my uh, player of the game I got to give it to Anthony Richardson, eight for 10, um, 240 yards, uh, played excellent. For my uh, my job taker of the week, I got to go with Jalen Kitna, both quarterbacks. Got to shout him out. Thought he played great, and uh, I look forward to seeing when he gets the ball again. Hopefully, it's uh, this coming week um, when we play Missouri and we beat the crap out of them. <laughs> What do you think, Chris? Uh, So my player of the game, 
I mean, there's a, there's a couple different directions. I, I'll, I'll go Ricky Pearsall. I, I like that he can, it's cool that we have that ability to do the jet sweep. Cause you know, for a while, I think we were trying to do the, the jet sweep or the sweep pass to uh, Xavier Henderson. And he clearly has struggled with that. So maybe that's a part of the offense that can start to emerge with you, him using the, using him in that role. And he clearly came I mean, he's, he's got the old Florida reverse down like Spurrier used to run it. Uh, you know, we took a 76 yards to the house. So I want to see more Ricky Pearsall with kind of those. I think there's some flexibility with him in the offense that we can use and not just in the downfield passing game. So he'll be my player of the game. And then my job taker, Caleb Douglas. I want to see more Caleb Douglas. I think Caleb Douglas can make a difference this year in the receiving core and in this offense. You know, I don't care who you're playing. He, he, he came in and made the most of his opportunity. So I, I'll go Caleb Douglas for my job taker. It's a nice addition to the pod, Dustin. Player of the game, I'll say Richardson. The play no one's mentioned yet was that nasty 45-yard run uh, early in the game where he there's a spin move, there's a juke move, there's just this the pure speed that he brings, all that on display in one play. So he's going to be my player of the game because he did his job as a starting quarterback. He has played badly against bad competition before, like South Florida. So he came out against another inferior opponent. Granted, def- different levels of inferiority, but still an inferior opponent and did his job. So hopefully that's going to give him confidence he needs to go forward and be the guy we need him to be. My job taker of the game is going to be one Black, and that's because I know the athletic ability that he brings. And when he got his opportunity to do so in each of the last two weeks, he did his job. So shout out to Dewan Black. Keep on working, bud. And hopefully you, you get a bigger role in the coming weeks. All right, great. We'll go quick here because it's, you know, Eastern Washington. So offense, defense, special teams, coaches, and overall grade from zero to 100. Chris, you first. What have you got? Offense, I'll go A, solid performance. You know, when you put up 666 yards, that's good. Defense, I'm going to go D. I feel like, you know, it's not a failing grade, but there was a lot more to be desired for all the things I mentioned earlier. Special teams, I would say I'll go B minus. Better in the kick return game. We took a lot more fair catches, but we had the block kick. So I'm not sure there. We saw more of Trey Smack this week. We'll see if we see more of him next. And then coaching, I'd say I'll go B plus. They got this team, you know, on the right track after a win or a loss, and we played a lot of young players. So uh, overall, I would say a solid 87%. Yeah, deal with grades. It's always about context. It's not just how you play, but it's who you play for offense. I'm going to give the offense an A minus um, would have been a little higher, but that interception has to take off something defense C plus special teams B minus got to make, got to make those field goals. Um, and then coaching, I got to give it a B plus. And um, I think if you work out the percentages and, and do the math, that works out to about an 84% grade overall solid B. How about you, Neil? Solid grades too. Offense, I'll give a B plus. There's a, there's a very clearly defined ceiling given the level of opposition. I'm not going to give them an A because they it's it's like giving a, a calculus student a spelling test or a, a simple arithmetic test. I mean, yeah, you know, you can get them all right, but it doesn't really impress anyone. So uh, I'll, I'll give them a B plus because, you know, you put an opponent in front of them. They did the job they were supposed to do. 
Richardson throwing a pick does bring it down a little bit. So um, probably would have been, would have been a B plus if not for that, but Kitna did great. The offensive line did great. Richard garage with the all time gif running backs did great. All that great. So B defense gets a C minus the first two drives were just awful. I mean, you, you can't, you can't get pushed around in the trenches like that against the team from the FCS. They did for two full drives. They did make the stops at the end. I give them credit for that. But that is just very, very frightening as we head into an, a schedule that's all SEC opponents plus FSU at the end. So um, they did get the job done after that for the most part, but those first two drives were very concerning. So C minus special teams, you can't get kicks blocked. Uh, you just, you, you can't have it. You can't have it, period. So that's going to really hurt the grid. I've said that for years now. That's something that and kicking off out of bounds are easy things to really kill special teams grades for me. So I'm going to give them a, I'll give them a solid C. Uh, you know, the kick return game was a little bit better. I like that, but you, you can't, you can't get kicks blocked. That's an easy way to lose games to teams you're supposed to beat bigly. So see there coaching, I thought was a, Solid B he didn't do anything especially terrible. I didn't think he did anything especially amazing either. I liked the jet sweep call. I liked a lot of the play calls I saw. I liked the idea of letting Kitna go deep. I liked the idea of getting some of the, the younger guys, the backups into the game. So B for that all around, I will say solid, solid 80 and a fringe between a C plus and a B minus you put an opponent in front of Florida, you beat them. That's great. You know, you got the job done. It's a check. If we're going by the check plus check, check minus or, or X system, you get a check. You did your job. Uh, so 80% for me guys, we got a much bigger game coming up and they only get bigger after that. Missouri, LSU, Georgia at Texas A&M next few games for the Gators. It gets bigger. It gets more important for the Gators and it's going to get, one way or another, it's going to get more real. We're going to know what we've got in this team. We're going to start to learn how this team will be remembered in history. I think that about does it for this episode of the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. We thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed our show, please give us a five-star rating and a nice review on iTunes. Definitely appreciate that. Dustin, I don't know that you can give your full-throated edition of your, your catchphrase here, but we'll let you end the show the way that you are now famous for doing so. Yeah, definitely not going to give it full-throated. Would have done it if we would have scored 60, but it didn't happen, and I can't do it. You don't want to miss the next podcast. It's going to be phenomenal. Um, some special guests coming. Go Gators! Go Gators, y'all.